You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to episode five of the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Today we are strictly talking flames. No more team takeover. We'll deal with that later in the day. But for now, I am Mark. I am joined by Maddie and Gordy. Good afternoon, good morning, whatever time zone or planet or wherever you are in the universe. Good afternoon, morning. Good morning. I think it's morning for all of us still, right? Just yeah, barely. we're close to afternoon. Yeah, East Coast is close to afternoon. Gordy, I don't know. He might be in Wednesday still. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on where he is. So uh, last time we met up, we were all talking about the, you know, everybody wanted to know about Milan Lucic and James Neal. And we've moved on from that. We've got a new versus this week. We've got Elias Lindholm and Darren Helm. There was a little, uh, what did I call it, buffoonery in uh, last night's Flames 5-1 to one win over the Red Wings that saw Elias Lindholm get chopped down like a tree. And he left the game and did not return, but Upon further review, um, it doesn't look like uh, our man Elias was exactly innocent in this whole endeavor. Uh, who wants to step up first and give their thoughts on this? I know, Maddie, you have a very strong opinion on this as we were talking last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, I was raging a little bit when we were just talking about it amongst ourselves. But like, objectively, as the, the poll says, it takes two to tango. So, but I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah, Gordy, your thoughts? Oh, it was a, yeah, it was a pretty good dive and elbow there, but uh, yeah, we'll see if Lindholm's okay after all that. Yeah, he took a yeah. pretty good shot. Once you saw that replay when he came in, like it's it's funny, like it's total a home rink thing too. You can see it at the dome, like the Lindholm elbow. Like the only camera was a mile and a half away, like atop the building, outside, peeking through a hole in the roof. You know, whereas like. <laughs> The helm, you know, slash they had from seven different angles where it looked, I mean, it was a horrible <laughs> slash, but it made him look horrible. Like the Lindholm one, you're like, I think I see hockey players down there on the ice. There might have been an elbow there. <laughs> yeah. And at least from my experience, I I haven't seen anything um, like reported on Twitter or anything that they're expecting him to miss time. Um, and just from my experience being in like, locker rooms covering games and stuff the players and the coaches do tend to have a pretty good sense of when there's an actual issue with injury or something so the fact that we're not seeing anything even remotely like wow it feels like a good sign yeah i can definitely see that like there hasn't been like okay this so-and-so has been called up or the flames are worried about you know just look like in the moment that was probably one of those like that looked like it really hurt you know yeah when, when a man much bigger than you winds up with a stick and chops you in half, it's probably going to leave a mark. So yeah. um, so Fan Poll Friday today was who's to blame for the uh, incident between Helm and Lindholm. And the numbers uh, leading at 43% is I just wanted to see Riddick fight somebody. <laughs> um, and part of that was me selfishly putting that in there because I think that would have been amazing because he is such a lunatic. Um, <laughs> t- 
tied tied for second place with five votes each at 24% are both It Takes Two to Tango and Helm because you can't slash somebody like that. And at the bottom with two votes and probably the only two votes it will get are Lindholm. He started it with the elbow. So uh, it definitely sounds like almost everybody agrees with us that this was definitely a uh, a uh, two-part process here that if I mean, there was stuff that happened before that off a of face-off. They were going at it anyway. And, I mean, I don't know if Helm took the dive, but he, you know, he looked like an old Western when a horse gets shot and it fell down like, when, when Lindholm put that elbow out there. But I guess was, I will tell. We'll see what happens. It was kind yeah. of a it was kind of a curse game to score. And uh, Manjapani, Lindholm, and Helm are the first three goal scorers, and none of them finished the game. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. Gordy, we're going to call that a nice segue into the next topic we're going to discuss here, which was, what do we do if Lindholm and Manjapani both have to miss any kind of time? Um, is there anybody, and I don't think there's anybody right now that's been scratched that's like, oh, got to get that guy in the game. Or do you think they go down to Stockton and reach out to, say, you know, somebody maybe like Curtis Lazar or Dylan Dubé or somebody like that? What are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, mercifully, they're in uh, they're in uh, California this week. So if they do have to call anyone up, it's you know not the fun California to Calgary overnight flight. But uh, I don't think they'll be calling up Lazar because he plays for the Sabers now. Why did I have him listed as somebody in Stockton? <laughs> See, is, that's because I opened up the 2018-2019 Heat roster. That's not going to do us any good. <laughs> the AHL's website is a mess, though. It is. It's a, I am very prepared for this. This is awesome. This is why we have Gordy here. Gordy takes on the Stockton Heat. So, Gordy, school us on the Heat. Well, if I were to guess anyone, they, they've got a pretty good mix of veterans and young guys down there. So, a lot of options depending on how Chalving's feeling. You know, I think it's always safe a safe bet that Dubé could be the first call up given that he's probably the best guy on the team down there. And he's also got that waiver flexibility. So, if if anyone was going to come up, I would guess it was Dubé, considering he also does play some pretty solid center, which would, he'd have to fill in for Lindholm if he is out. Fair enough. Yeah, he would have been. That was after I, you know, get through my gaff. Those the two names after that were Dubé and Quine, and I think those would probably be the logical choices. Yeah. But seeing they haven't really said anything, I don't know if you know if that even matters at this point. Exactly. Um, so, all right. So, I mean, hopefully, those are. Just a one game quick and out, rest it today, and come back. Um, Calgary this week, two wins. <laughs> two straight wins for the first time all season after a two-game losing skid. Calgary actually looked like a hockey team this week. Um, things started to pick up uh, with Philadelphia, but last night I think they they played one of their better games of the season. Granted, Detroit's not you know a world beater, but still I thought they looked really good last night. Yeah, and I think this was kind of a week that they needed to happen. Um, I I was pretty firmly in the, especially with the Philly game, like, I just hope both teams have fun. But <laughs> at the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, Calgary could really use a win here. Um, so, like you said, they're, even Philly's kind of struggling a little bit right now. So it's not like... They're going up against the toughest competition, but it was a step in the right direction. You know, they're still cleaning up some things. I thought they looked a lot better in transition, um, which was important for them. Um, so, 
pretty pleased with what I've seen this week. This it, like too. Well, especially how last week ended too. Last week ended on it. It was just ugh, that was brutal. The sharks, the sharks game. It was just that was a nightmare to watch. Um, and I think this week you just you've just seen more out of the Flames. Like you said, the transitions better. Defense looks good. They're taking less penalties this week, which is always a bonus. Um, the, and when they do, the penalty kill is doing very well. And David Riddick is clearly cemented himself as Calgary's number one goaltender. Yeah, you, you can look at the the offensive success this week, but you know, two straight games of just giving up one goal, no matter who you're playing, is always huge. You you have to keep the puck out of your net if you're going to win. And Travis Hammond at the other night too. Um, we mentioned him in our recap, um, just for the fact that like Hammondick blocked <laughs> two huge shots at the end and a pass across. Like he had three huge defensive plays at the end of that game to you know, keep the, hold the flames lead. And uh, seeing things like that out of this team, we didn't see that mm-hmm. earlier in the, say earlier in the season. It's not like we're 50 games into the season, but you know, they struggled with some of those things and it's nice to see them starting to, you know, get some traction out there. And some of those, uh, some of the bottom six guys are starting to score too. So just seems overall, the entire team's coming together a little bit more. Yeah, Milan Lucic had like the game of his <laughs> life last night. Oh my god, that that check or that attempted check where um, who did he have in the boys? Just um, refresh my memory. Just he turtled. He wanted no part of Lucic. Where he got his assist and he fed Bennett like for the goal. It was like he came in and the guy was like, "I don't want him to stay away." <laughs> totally curled up. It was awesome. he was like an armadillo right into a shell. <laughs> Probably the easiest assist he's ever gonna get. <laughs> Man, and he deked Dylan Larkin too. Like, I had to go back and check because I just didn't even know how to process it at the time. I'm like, what am I watching? Have I slipped into the twilight zone? <laughs> that move was awesome. He came up, then he like get rid of the puck. He's like, I'm done. I just did everything. I gotta go away. Like, <laughs> it's the best move I've ever had in my life. But yeah, no, they looked up. They looked very good last night. I mean, you know, Bennett had a goal. Um, you know, he some of his bonehead mistakes from the last week have uh, cleaned up a little bit. So. That's always good. And, you know, the Michael Froelich, I said, Froelich is playing some really good hockey right now. And whether it's great, he's upping his trade value, or, hey, the 3M line is back together and it's solidified, uh, it's good to see Michael Froelich starting to play some hockey. Yeah, it seems you need to challenge Froelich a little bit, maybe to get him going. You know, all the drama of last year, and he seemed to play his best hockey when he came back into the lineup or moved back up in the lineup, which... Yeah, he's, he's played good, so we'll see if he can stay consistent, but, well, it's nice to ride him while he's hot. Yeah, the great stat from the end of last night's game is Detroit's now lost five straight in Calgary, and in those five games they've given, uh, Calgary scored 23 goals. Um, <laughs> no, 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 Detroit, uh, Calgary, not exactly a happy place for the uh, Red Wings to come and play. Um, so, I guess that closes out this week as the quick recap of what we had, you know, Detroit and Philly, two wins for Calgary. They beat the Flyers on Tuesday, three to one. And on Thursday night, they beat the Red Wings five to one, which sets us up for the weekend. The big California trip of Kachuk and Dowdy Bowl two, and then going to the ultimate house of horrors on Sunday to take on Anaheim, who is actually playing pretty decent hockey the, so far on the young season. Um, First off, anybody who wants to jump in, uh, thoughts on the Flames-Kings game? Because let's face it, the Kings aren't good. And I'm sure the Kings are tired of hearing that they're not good and that they're old. 
but they're not good and they're old. <laughs> Yet they handled Calgary in overtime. And of course, Doughty had to get the game winning goal last time. So uh, what do we need to see differently here this time around from Calgary? Anybody can jump in. Feel free. <laughs> I, don't know. I think the the key, like I kind of mentioned earlier, is like shoring up that transition game, especially against a team like L.A. that, like you said, not very fast, doesn't move very well. If they can keep to their diet, really sort of bottled up by their four check, uh, they're going to be able to kind of run right through them. Yeah, and I think uh, as much as the Kachuk Doughty nonsense is entertaining. Um, I think that also kind of gets in the way of the game. It drags the game down. Calgary should easily be able to skate circles around a team like LA. Um, Jonathan Quick is not playing good <laughs> hockey at all. Like I, he looks toast, done. Um, so this is a game Calgary should be able to handle. Uh, I, no, maybe yes. Yeah, no. I think you know for Calgary, and it's been frustrating as a fan of theirs for sure, but. They, they definitely need to, you know, kind of assert that they are a better team over these weaker teams, let alone division rivals. So, yeah, I, th I think they've done a fairly good job of pushing the Doughty Kachuk narrative to the background. But, yeah, especially now that they're going to be the away game and, you know, the crowd's going to be behind the Doughty side. Yeah, they got to just stay focused. And I think, you know, these games against teams like LA and I, quite honestly, Anaheim is going to fall back down the standings like this is these kind of weekends are must win for a team that's trying to find its identity right now yeah i mean if you look at i mean the kings are two and five so they're you know they are what they are uh the ducks are five and two but what's you know anaheim so they've played arizona san jose detroit pittsburgh columbus boston and buffalo so reasonable schedule and in seven games they've only given up 10 goals um and you know and it's you finally thought you're like, oh, finally the Ducks aren't going to be good anymore. The Ducks are going to be terrible. But Calgary's got to go out there in Anaheim to face a team that's playing really well. That started the season with winning uh, four out of their first, uh, winning four out of their first five games. Yeah, and, no, right. and they got to play in a place that just is a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it's gotten better, but it's still not good. Yeah, we, we broke the streak, but it'd be nice to, you know, maybe be able to win there on a regular basis. But uh, Anaheim is definitely, they're still going to be that defensive powerhouse, especially with John Gibson and Nett. But they have a little bit of a youth movement going on right now. So I think they're they're surprising teams in this early going. But, you know, it'll be up to teams like Calgary to see if they can figure them out. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at their results, too. I mean, they beat... Arizona two to one. They beat San Jose three to one. Detroit three to one. Columbus two to one. Their only major offensive outburst of the season was uh, Wednesday night, uh, where they beat Buffalo five to two. So they're not. There's not a ton of offense going there. And if you know, so they beat Detroit three to one, but Calgary beat Detroit five to one. You know, so it seems like if they can get to Gibson, you know, maybe Calgary stands a chance of actually winning there because they have the offensive firepower. Whereas it looks like as of now, the Ducks might not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, Anaheim's still not a very deep team. They have a good top line. Um, but I think if they, they're able to neutralize that line a little bit, um, it should make things uh, a little bit easier for them. Obviously, that's a little bit tougher because they don't have last change and they're not really picking the, uh, the matchup. I'm sure they're going to be kind of targeting that um, 
in their game plan. Yeah, and I just watch, looking at Ryan Getzlaff's very long head in that tiny helmet drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> just has the weirdest shaped head. These are the things I pick up on during the games. So, <laughs> so, so, uh, any you guys got any predictions for this weekend? Or how do you think the Flames are going to do? You think they go to California and sweep California, or do you think they go to California, get swept, and then the boat catches fire and it's a, just a giant nightmare? Sweep city, baby. <laughs> on the positive end or the negative end? <laughs> <laughs> they do the sweeping they don't get right. swept okay all right i'm in a good mood today all right fair enough fair enough i played golf this morning i'm in a horrible mood they're getting swept no okay <laughs> <laughs> no i i think la i think the emotion of you know them coming into calgary and then of all people to get the game winning goal i think gives them a little bit of a little bit of momentum but i think if they can go in there calgary score early and kind of and even if it's like kachuk like just does what he does best i think calgary could shut that team down and if they do and if they continue to skate the way they've been skating and they move the puck i don't think i think la is going to have a hard time with calgary Mm -hmm. and i will be honest i have not watched a ducks game this season so (laughs) just you know going by standings and you know just what they've scored i think you know i think again same type of scenario calgary can stay away from the stuff where Anaheim tries to drag you down into the gutter and, you know, play stupid hockey and try to get you to take penalties. If they can avoid that, I'm, I'm with you, Maddie. I think Calgary could take these two games this weekend. Which, On paper, it seems pretty manageable. Yeah. Which game would you give um, Talbot this weekend? None. Ooh. Never. <laughs> Riddick from Just here on out. Just him right into Just, the sun. Exactly. Riddick all the way. Even... <laughs> Even if he's denying that he has brown pads for the Heritage Classic, even though everybody <laughs> saw that he has brown pads for the Heritage Classic. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I think I, I think you probably put Talbot in uh, against Anaheim. I think you know Calgary needs to go in and shut down LA and just be like, all right, go away, go back to the bottom of the standings, you know, and stay there. And I think Riddick's the guy to do that. Uh, I would give I would give Talbot the start, you know, because you can't you can't ride Riddick crazy like that. Um, so I don't know. You guys have an opinion on that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think that's the right move. It's, I thought Talbot played pretty good against San Jose, if I'm being quite honest. I know he gives up the two on four or whatever, but I thought he was, he was a pretty steady presence in his first game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not like great, but he's going to be able to, you know, come in and be a fine backup most of the time. And, with how Riddick's playing, I don't think you really need anything more from Talbot than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. If Talbot could come in and, you know, if he has to take, you know, 40% of the games or whatever this year and just be serviceable, or if Riddick can, you know, keep playing the way he's playing. I mean, he had the one clunker, but outside of that, he's been absolutely outstanding. So um, I think it's more important for them to just shut the Kings up and, you know, deal with whatever happens in Anaheim with Talbot. So that pretty much covers all the topics today. We were going to hope for a reader question, but apparently we're answering all of their questions (laughs) with everything we're already doing. So, (laughs) well, maybe there's no questions because they were, uh, there's two wins. Everybody's positive. Nobody needs to be traded this week. (laughs) So, all right. Well, that should wrap it up for episode five of the Tinderbox. We covered this week. We're covering next week. We uh, talked about Elias Lindholm and Andrew Manjapani. Uh, we found out that I don't pay attention to the Stockton Heat at all. Um, 
because I thought Curtis Lazar was still there because I was looking at an old roster because I don't care about AHL hockey. <laughs> I don't have the time to. <laughs> so, so that's going to wrap up this very factually correct episode of the Tinderbox. Here we are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Uh, Maddie and Gordy, thank you both for joining me this afternoon. Thank, thank you. you for having us. All right, and here's to a two-game positive sweep of California this weekend. Thank you, everybody, and we will catch you on the next episode.